Okay. It's like um airdrop. Yeah. Oh, I okay. But I'm I'm gonna back up because eventually I have to do it at some point in my life. So I'm just doing it today. Almost done. I'm so excited. Okay. So ready? Hey everybody, it's Margot and Harjeet here in the studio again. Yes, Lean and Bushra are still away on their away rotations. <laughs> Boo. Boo. We may say them. that every time. <laughs> Makes us both very sad. However, we are going to call Lean today because we haven't heard her voice in forever. Well, I <laughs> no, but we are going to call Lean today because we're missing her voice on the air. Oh, definitely. She has like such a regal voice on Bundle of Hers. I know, 100%. She's got the radio queen voice. So let's call her up. I can't hear anything. Hello? Hello? (laughs) Hello? Oh, yeah, I love this ringtone. Hi. Hayleen. How are you? Good. How is everyone back at the studio? Good. Harjeet and I are just holding down the fort over here. I know. You nice. know. Nice. <laughs> Trying to live our best holding life. Holding down the fort while half of us are gone. Yeah, it's been difficult. We definitely miss your wonderful radio voice on the air. Aww. Yeah. Thanks. And, and I think the <laughs> listeners will be happy to hear another voice rather than mine and Marco's. <laughs> I miss recording with everyone. Yeah. When you get back, we'll to get you in the studio. But how's your away rotation going? Way rotation's going good. Um, traveling across the country. I was in West Virginia last month, and now I'm here um, in Stanford. And yeah. it's just interesting to see how emergency medicine varies from place to place. For sure. Um, so it's cool. It's good. That's so awesome, Lean, going from the east to west. And you're a Utah girl. Like, look at you exploring the world. <laughs> <Utah>. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. I'm always like, oh, my gosh. I missed the small town vibes and then it's all good. Everywhere is really interesting and everywhere is exciting. So, yeah, getting those differences. I'm actually really proud of you, Lean. I think it takes a lot of courage and being brave to like, you know, go on these solo trips in a way, you know, to two different places. And then we're going to maybe stay here, maybe move to residency. No one knows what our future holds, but I'm <laughs> proud of you. It also takes a lot of money. That's true. This is a good point. All of fourth year is a money drain. Oh my goodness. I know. Yeah. I was looking at my bank and I was like, oh, yeah, I was booking some hotels and flights today or yesterday. And yeah, it's not good. I know. It's a struggle, but we're almost there. Are you feeling a little bit more adjusted to the new system and the new ED? And like, I don't know if they use a different EMR than ours, but how has it been adjusting? So we use the same EMR, but just the setup is different. I think the first week is mostly adjustment week. Totally. Or, you know, you'll you'll go to the the attending, the supervising doctor, and you'll say, okay, I want these labs. And they'll say, oh, we don't do those labs here. And then (laughs) things like that is a little bit more adjusting. But And then also getting used to the patient population, I think, takes a little longer. Um, In West Virginia, we had a lot of rural cases. We had um, the strangest cases come in at 3 a.m. and, you know, just very interesting kind of cases that you probably would never see in your life again. Really? <laughs> like that we had fun. a guy Esoteric. You know, being right, like getting shot in the back at three AM because they were burning a box of bullets kind of thing. <laughs> and you're like, What? No <laughs> you know? way. 
versus like Stanford, people are very hooked into healthcare. They have very good accessibility to healthcare and availability. And so, oh. you know, you walk in and patients are like, oh, yeah, I have this, this and this and this and this is who I need to see. And you're like, all right, cool. Great. <laughs> wow. Like so, very, um, very um, literate in their health education. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like maybe literate. I would say more aware of what's out there as wow. well. So, yeah, that is literacy, but very different um, case scenarios like I think in West Virginia, we had something called throw the sink at the patient, which not literally means throw the sink, but mm -hmm. patients will come in with like with no understanding of their health care, no mm -hmm. background. Sometimes, you know, anybody who could provide a healthcare background is not present. So we just throw all the labs in terms of what we see in presentation and we see what we can find and then go from there versus here at Stanford, you know, people are very much like, oh, yeah, I have this. And so I should probably get this checked or so more directed you know. at this. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Interesting. So. Yeah, that's cool to see those two different perspectives. Um, how's the people and the food? I always love to ask about the food. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, I try to make it a goal everywhere I go to get involved in the community or at least find what the community has and the food here is amazing yeah <laughs> it's pricey but oh my goodness it is so, so good, good. <laughs> so good yeah it's really good and it's within walking distance awesome yeah. i miss you that know. about austin utah definitely right? is not known for their food <laughs> i mean but yeah, i no. like some places we've cried a lot of tears in several eating spots <laughs> That's true. Oh my Emotional goodness, that's so sad. But not good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, well, Aline, we've got to hang up the phone now, but is there anything else, you last-minute thoughts you have for us? What are you guys recording today? We're going to talk about books. So um, you know how we all love The Hunger Games. Ooh, nice. Yes. Oh, I wish I was there for that conversation. It's all good. We Don't have worry. you in our, in our spirits. <laughs> we'll think about you. Also, we'll talk about you. Also, let's watch Hunger Aww. Games when you get back. Yes. We should. Okay. Love right. you, Lee. Well, sounds fun. Enjoy. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. I think. It was really nice to hear from Lean today. Totally. I really miss her. I miss having all of us back here. I know. But like you said, I'm so proud of them for branching out and going out on both two away rotations each. I think that's so awesome. Of and trying something new and, you know, really exploring the world. Totally. Speaking of exploring the world, let's get into our episode, shall we? Yes. Um, Harjeet and I have still been off rotation, off daily clinical duties. So one of the things that I've been doing a lot now that I have a lot of free time is reading. I like to read every morning when I wake up and a little bit each night before I go to bed. I love to read. It's like my favorite thing to do. I think that the way I read, though, has shifted a lot. And that's maybe something we can talk about um, throughout the discussion today. Yeah, I'm super interested to hear that journey for you because I think reading has changed a lot for me too. When I was learning to read in elementary school, I remember that our school was trying a new way to teach us to read, um, which was more by memorizing and looking at words rather than phonetically spelling them out. Oh. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like if you've ever seen those ads like your baby can read where you're basically just getting the baby to memorize, like associate that combination of words by memory with um, a picture. Wow, that's so <laughs> it, fascinating. Yeah. I think they only did that for our year because it didn't work. So <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> it's like so to this day, I find myself really struggling to phonetically sound out words and I um, remember my dad and my mom always working with me to like 
basically get better at reading. And I kind of struggled a lot with reading. So I didn't like reading growing up. And I remember in high school in English, I would kind of skim through them. And I was able to kind of grasp from context of conversation in class what was going on in the chapters without having had read it. So obviously I was missing a lot of details. And then I would read things like Spark Notes, but I always struggled to actually get through a whole chapter. So there's a lot of books that I quote unquote read in high school, but I actually didn't read. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I think Spark Notes is basically everyone I remember in high school would talk about it, but I had a lot of um, integrity with the way I wanted to read. I was like, I read this chapter. Everyone's reading Spark Notes. And I'm like, oh, my God, Herjeet, you're such a snob. <laughs> like, you know, there's some people that reading is their medium of release and some people it's not. Yeah. And I think I've really had to work to make it something that I love because in theory, I've always loved the idea of reading and wanting to read a lot. But it always took me forever to read and comprehend things. Um, that was really evident when I was taking the MCAT. You know, there was that at that time, there was that literary or like English comprehension section that was really hard for me to be able to read something quickly and then um, write or be able to answer the questions from that. So I think that was my history in reading. And now I have really worked on it and um, come to really love and enjoying and savoring words. However, I still hate textbooks. I will say I don't actually think I read a full textbook or a full textbook chapter for medical school. <laughs> I don't think I've done that for medical school or undergraduate degree. I've never like fully read a textbook. I loved math. So I read the full calculus textbook back in what? high school. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that is like the only textbook I think I really read. Yeah. And how has your journey changed in reading? I love to read to the point where my mom would call my name and be like, Herji, you've been reading for 12 hours. Like, <laughs> put the book down. You need to get dinner. And um, she even was concerned one time and basically was like, is this normal? Is it normal to read this much? Like, why is her nose always in the books? Right. And I think for me, um, my journey for reading was actually a really important part of my growth. And it also was a really important part for me to be mentally sane. I would al almost say in a way it was a therapeutic thing for me mm -hmm. um, growing up. I remember when I read my first book, I literally was sucked into a different world. And yeah. I loved that feeling. I love that feeling because I was like, oh, the world's so big. Like, there's so many things you can dream about. There's so many things you can achieve. And like, it just made me transport into a different world. Mm -hmm. So for me, reading was integral to my life. I felt like I couldn't survive without it. So in high school, I was reading all the books. I was in AP English, you know, like super excited. And then I start my undergraduate degree. There, I think, is where my time decreased from reading. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was almost in a forced way in the sense that I had to really focus on my school. I did engineering and I was literally like every time of the day, I was like, am I going to finish this degree? Like, it's so hard. And so I really started focusing on that. And when I had time off, I like wanted to watch TV. This is also when I feel like um, devices started coming in my mm -hmm. life. And I, through the years, started using Facebook, Instagram. I finally was like, okay, I'm going to decide that now I have time off. I actually do have time. Let me start reading. And I will tell you, it's been really difficult for me to get back into it. I used to 
like I said, would read a book from the beginning to end. Like mine was a race of time. Like I need to finish <laughs> this book in one day. Yeah. And now I'm having a hard time even focusing for one or two chapters. So I think it's me building that practice of reading again. You mentioned that when you started college, you had less time to read. I think that's something that a lot of people experience in high school and elementary school. Kind of English is built into the curriculum and we're reading books through that and then reading on our own plus or minus, right, depending on our personalities. But college, unless you're an English minor or or sorry, unless you're an English major or some major that focuses on reading, it's not a priority to read. Then the focus shifts to textbooks. And then that's very true for medical school as well. However, like you said, books have the power to suck you into a whole different world and give you a totally new perspective. And I think that's that is something so powerful of a teaching tool that is not utilized, especially in medical school, when cultural competency is so important and so hard to teach like overtly. Right. You can't just teach and have a lecture about cultural competency. But I think books are a great substitute. Like, I don't think anything can replace like actually living, experiencing and building cultural competency in that way. But books are a great uh, medium to take that step. Right. Because they make the world smaller. You can you can get these stories of millions of people. And I think my focus largely when I was younger was fictional books. And in um, college, one thing that was very positive is when I started discovering like autobiographies Mm -hmm. and actual books on theories and, you know, the way the world works, the way systems work. Mm hmm. So for me, as a white woman growing up in a predominantly white culture with white people around me, it was super eye opening to start reading books from different people and different cultures. So people of color and um, from different cultures around the world. I think one of the first books that we actually were assigned to read here um, at the University of Utah was The Spirit Catches Me or You. The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down. Yeah. A very eye-opening book about how lacking cultural competency can be very harmful to your patients. And so after reading that, I was like, what what am I missing? What do I I don't know anything about the world or my patients unless they look like me. And even if they look like me, I still don't know anything about them and their backgrounds. If it's not where I came from, then how do I know what their experiences are? And you very rarely have the time that you need to really talk to your patients and get to know them on the level that would allow you to have an in-depth knowledge, right? And so I think also as part of the responsibility as a physician is not to rely on your patients to teach you about them, but to have a little bit of background going in about world populations, right? It becomes emotional labor when we as physicians don't have that cultural competency. Our intentions are good in asking them about their culture, but it is still a lot of emotional labor on the patient's part when we are trying to figure out their culture and also healing them at the same time or treating them at the same time. So I think the more we can do to read and broaden our understanding of different cultures and populations and people and backgrounds and perspectives will make navigating um, working with different people so much easier. I totally agree with that, Margot. When I was in 12th grade, I read this book called The Kite Runner by Khalid Husseini. It's a fictional book, but it's about these two friends who are Afghani. And when I read the story of this man going through his life and then him moving to America and the way his identity was shaped, I felt this deep connection because this is similar to my life. Like people actually have struggles of identity. They actually, you know, 
have these conflicts there's actually words that express them that things that I'm feeling in that way that book for me was so important because I felt like my I wasn't alone you mm-hmm. know and I really related to that so I know Margot you just mentioned like building cultural competency but it also helps a person develop themselves I feel like with books um, one book that was really instrumental in that was um, Asada Shakur's book. It's called Asada, the autobiography. Um, she basically was a part of the Black Liberation Army. And her journey through the prison system was so powerful for me. Um, understanding her feelings, what she had to go through, kind of the systems that were working against her as a black woman really helped me understand a different perspective of a culture that is different than mine, but it gave me a lot of context. And in these books, I found words and I found parts of history that was missing in mainstream history books, right? Mm -hmm. So it really opened my eyes. I realized like books are so powerful. And I think there's some quote out there that if you give a woman a book, she can change the world. And I truly believe that. I'm not sure who quoted it, but I feel like I heard this or I I don't (laughs) think I made this up. I've heard this somewhere. And I think that's such a true story because I feel like books really have changed my life. Mm -hmm. I recently read Americana by Chimanda Gozi Adichie. I love that book. (laughs) If I butchered her name, please correct me on Instagram because I want to say it correctly. But it is also about someone um, migrating. I don't know if she migrated. Yeah. Someone coming to the U.S. from Nigeria. And so sort of a similar navigation of different cultures and um, trying to understand one school system versus the other. And while that was never my experience, it was very powerful to read about it and how eloquently those struggles were illustrated for me by this book. But then there was a section here, and I can read a quote to that. Then I was able to connect on some level too. So I'll just read the quote. And she's talking about her aunt is talking who had been a doctor in Nigeria and then immigrated to the U.S. And she's trying to become a doctor here in the U.S. And she said, I failed my last exam. I got the result just before you came. And this is in reference to the step one USMLE exam. Um, And then she says, I've never failed an exam in my life, but they weren't testing actual knowledge. They were testing our ability to answer tricky multiple choice questions that have nothing to do with real medical knowledge. And in that, I was like, yes, I, I have been there too. And I know that struggle of how much how frustrating the test is. But then I can also understand all the other barriers and intersections that played in for this woman in being um, a woman of color in an era that wasn't now necessarily friendly towards women or people of color in medicine. And then being um, an older person and learning a new language and, and trying to come into the medical system that way. Um, And so while I I could share this perspective of feeling that the USMLE step one is like totally useless and doesn't actually test your knowledge of medicine and share that sentiment, I could understand that we had different paths to come to that same point. But when you have that connection point of feeling like, okay, we have one little thing that we can share, it really helps build a foundation and even opens more doors, I guess. I actually love that you say that because I think that's another reason why those books were so therapeutic for me. I, you know, lived in a very traditional home. I had to go to school, come back home. I really didn't get to play with my friends a ton. And I always felt like, oh, I have friends with these characters in a book or I relate to this character in a book. 
And now that I'm saying it, I don't know if that kind of sounds sad. No. But I'm just saying that it really helped me feel connected to people. Even though some of these characters might have been fictional, some of them might have been real, but their stories mattered to me. Mm -hmm. That power of community that books can bring is so awesome. So awesome. And on that note, I actually want to tell you a really meaningful story. So my best friend, Lean Sumha, guess how we became best friends? Through reading. We both loved Hunger Games and I literally sent her a text and I was like, we're going to be friends because you like a book that I like. We were relating how the Hunger Games and kind of even though it's like this dystopian novel Mm -hmm. of like some future world, we were relating kind of the systems that were going on to that to like our life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing I love about books because you can really understand things in a different even though it was fictional, it really gave you an understanding of our real life. Uh, situation and that's I credit me having read that book me loving reading for the reason for my friendship with Lean. I love that I also love the Hunger Games too so I hope I can be y'all's best friends Uh, you are our (laughs) best what are you saying we're Um, all best friends so no I know we are I'm just saying that's the reason I became her best friend and I literally said you're my best friend because you love that book (laughs) you love Hunger Games and and also in this vein of books being able to create community, books have also historically been um, a key part of exposing negative things of government or um, faults in our society. So like Silent Spring by Rachel Carlson or The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. And then one that I think is relevant to medicine and us particularly going into psychiatry is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kesey, mm-hmm. um, which had the power to be a great expose to the public about electroshock therapy and how not so great they were doing it. Actually, not great at all that it was being conducted from like the 1930s to the 60s or whenever this book kind of exposed it. And then it was amplified by Hollywood and the film with Jack Nicholson as the star kind of really got the public aware. Right. And so while that was great in putting pressure to stop this very sort of negative therapy, this actually very negative therapy, the way they were doing it was inhumane and definitely should not have been carried out in that manner. But what it also did in as a side effect was create a very negative image of psychiatry and psychiatrists as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it created a societal distrust for psychiatrists and the medications that we provide, um, which has continued on to this day. Right. And we're still trying to push the destigmatization of ECT and psychiatry overall. Exactly. So now that we have a um, very evidence-based, safe, way to do ECT and it's actually a very beneficial treatment for many patients who are resistant to the other therapies for depression. It's very hard to convince the public because a movie about this book and amplified through Hollywood built that fear and that distrust and it's very hard to tear that down. So I think that's another power that books can have and that we have to be careful about what is written. It's so important to read several books on a certain topic To really understand, you know, the depths of an issue. Yeah. No, I think that's actually so true, Harjeet. I think it is very important to gain different perspectives, even on one topic, because that's how the real world is, too, right? Someone may have had a bad experience um, with a mental health provider, and then someone else may have had a very good experience. And I think it's important to know the whole spectrum and then make your own um, opinion based on that. Um, And kind of on this 
you know, medical type books. One book that I felt was really um, impactful for me was The Scalpel and Silver Bear by Dr. Alvord. Um, she's the first Navajo woman surgeon um, who kind of combines Western medicine and traditional healing in her practice. And this book was so impactful for me in the sense that I too am a person who shares uh, multiple identities, um, specifically cultural identities. It was just so powerful to hear her story and kind of her journey through medicine and uh, how she navigated that being a person of color and specifically an indigenous woman. I love that book, too. And I think we could honestly talk about books that we've read and loved all day. And so um, to our listeners, what Harjeet and I have been wanting to do and what we're going to start after this episode is doing sort of a book club bookstagram through our stories on at bundle of hers Instagram account. So we'll be um, highlighting and sharing books that we've really loved reading and quotes from them. Um, So stay tuned on our stories to continue following that. And we also reached out to you all to hear about what books you've loved reading. And Allie, one of our listeners posted on Instagram that the book when helping hurts really made her think about how we approach serving others and how to create sustainable changes And this book is about how um, global health missions can actually have a detrimental or negative impact. And Ali, we both, Harjeet and I both love that you shared this book because we're planning an episode about global health and how to decolonize it. Exactly. So stay tuned for that. And thank you for sharing. I'm definitely interested to read that book. Also, um, thank you to everyone else who shared your book titles. We'll be adding them to our reading list, which for me is like ever growing. (laughs) I mean, that's the whole point, right? It's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. And also, I just have to put a plug out there for at Reading Women. They have highlights every month. So like this month, I think, is Latinx Book Month. And they have like they post different Latinx authors. That's so So I think it's a great way to find new books. Um, Chloe, can I share a poem that I wrote specifically about reading? Okay. For the listeners who don't know, I actually write poetry And I actually specifically wrote one about reading because it's been so integral to my life. I'd love to hear it. They look at every book on the shelf. Their hands roll across each cover, wondering if the next one would be deep enough to catch their eye, to drown the voices heard every night of people who were supposed to take care of them. Now that book is carrying that weight, and it better be a good one. A universe that you can immerse in, a universe that you can expand in, a universe that will ultimately end. The book is gone and they find another one. Take care and thank you for taking care of me, Gyan. And Gyan just means knowledge. I love that. Thank you. Beautiful. And I think that really nicely sums up this episode in how we both feel the power of reading to pull you in, to give you different perspectives. To to, change our lives. change your life, to give you a space for quiet and mental focus and meditation. And to dream and to escape and... So many all those wonderful beautiful things. things. So for our listeners, we hope you keep reading, keep sharing your favorite books and stay tuned for our bookstagram, book club, book sharing on at Bundle of Hers on Instagram. Can I say bye in Punjabi? Yes. Satsrikal. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.